All right. Um, as Pastor mentioned, uh, I did have quite an experience, uh, so it is a rather special night for me. It's always special to be here. What an honor and blessing it is to get called on to do this um, here again. Uh, as always, this church, I say it every time, but this church, that pastor, this congregation, it's a special blessing, but it is a special night for me simply because I'm alive and standing here in my own power. On August the 20th, I had, uh, for you the, you, those of you that don't know, I had a very severe motorcycle accident, and um, I'm going to be giving that testimony of that tonight, and I'm going to answer some questions I believe God wants answered in some hearts tonight, and as I begin to prepare for this, for several months, I would lay awake at night going over it and over it and over it in my head, and... Uh, the Holy Spirit was just speaking to me so mightily and, and, and giving me so many things. I was conscious five times through the whole ordeal. And those five times just kept coming back to me and coming back to me. And I believe that that's really, why did he wake me up those five times? Well, I think that's where a bulk of this story, a testimony is going to come from. But uh, the questions, this is going to start a little weird, I guess, for a testimony. But... Last time I did this, I didn't have a title for the message. Well, here it is. Does it matter? Does it matter? Does it really matter? Seven questions that I'm going to answer with testimony tonight. And I got to bite my lip after I ask these questions and not just open this up and start preaching because I'm not going to do that. So does it matter? Does it matter? Does it really matter if you go to church? Does it really matter? Do I got to come here every time? Do I got to come here when the doors are open Wednesday night, Sunday morning? Does it really matter? Can, can I just sit at home and watch it on TV? I mean, there's some good, good preachers on TV. Does it really matter? Does it really matter if you believe everything this says? Does it really matter if you read it front to back and believe it all? I mean, I believe in the big three, right? That's all I need, right? The big three? You know what that is, right? Born of the Virgin Mary, death on the cross, and resurrected. Big three, I believe. I'm going to heaven. That's all I need, right? Does it really matter if I believe this whole thing, does it really matter the words that you speak out of your mouth? Does it, does it matter? I mean, I, we're just hanging out with my buddies and, and, you know, just joking around. Does it all really matter? Does the words that come out of our mouth really matter? Prayer, does it really matter? God's going to do what he's going to do, right? I mean, he's God. Does, it, does prayer really work? Does it really matter? Your friends. Do you have the friends of Job? Or do you have the friends of the paralyzed man that they couldn't get him to Jesus? They carted him up on a roof. They dug. Now, I don't know how long this took, but these roofs were thatched roofs packed with mud and things. So it took them a while to get through this roof. But they knew. They knew. All they had to do was get their friend to Jesus and he would be healed. Is that your friends? Does it really matter? And, you know, I go to church on Sunday, but, you know, my, my work friends, you know, those, I don't do life with those church. That's just a little much, ain't it? Got to go to church with them and then go hang out with them on the week. That's a little much. Does it matter? Pastor, does it matter? There's some of them church, I mean, there's some of those TV preachers. Hey, listen, man, they will tickle your itching ear. Oh, my goodness. 
And they will, they will say what you need to hear. I mean, nowadays, how about this? I don't, you know, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. So I go to church and then I watch the TV. And I watch, does it matter if I watch him on TV? You know, how about that guy that walks in with a security detail that rivals that of the president? Does it matter? The last one here, some churches might throw me out for asking this question, but does the baptism of the Holy Spirit, does it matter? Does, does it really matter? I mean, I'm going to heaven. Does it matter? Okay. Again, I'm right in my lip here. I'm going to get on with the testimony. Not every one of you know me, so I'm going to be very brief here because I want to get to the meat and potatoes of this. But um, I, uh, before I could ride a bicycle, I was on a motorcycle. And uh, I rode one from there on. And um, starting at the age of about eight, I started racing dirt bikes. Uh, I raced them into my early teen years. Now, I don't have time for this part of my testimony, but from uh, my mid-teens uh, until in my, well, until about eight years ago, I couldn't ride dirt bikes anymore. I had severe back issues. God took care of that. That's another testimony. About five, eight years ago, um, after God healed my back, uh, here I was. I got, got a motorcycle. I started riding again. Me and my son started riding. And uh, lo and behold, uh, a couple of years go by, and we found ourselves at our local racetrack on a practice night, thinking, well, let's just go have a little fun. We'll do that. So we go and, and uh, you know, practice night and ride, and, well, that sparked a flame. Uh, and I think about a year later, here I go. They have a series here in town close to me. And um, I thought, well, let's try it. Let's see how this goes. So last year I raced in that series. It's a 10-race series. Um, I missed about three races. And uh, so this, this year I thought, well, I want to, um, I want to try it. One season, I want to race the whole season, see what happens, see where I'm at, right? And so I did. So I raced the whole season. It was a great season. Had a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot of ministry time. Uh, I think half of the congregation here was at a race or two um, at some point in time. But uh, so it came down to the last race, and um, things were looking great. All I really needed to do was cross the finish line to take home that coveted number one position. Um, so, night, uh, this night comes, the gates drop, and away I go. And uh, take off, it's a good race, things are going great. Matter of fact, I think they might have been going a little too good for me. I got a little too relaxed, uh, and I was on the last lap. And uh, last lap, I want to give you a little bit of detail on this particular jump, just so you'll understand the force that was coming down to earth when it hit me. Last lap, coming around to the last, well, the jump before the last turn. I was about a second and a half away from the finish line. This is what they call a step-up double. In other words, the first part of the jump is about 10 to 15 feet off the ground, and then about 20 feet goes away, and then it goes up about another 10 to 15 feet, and then that proceeds out, and then you go down. So it's about 100 feet in total length, somewhere in the uh, 20 to 30 foot high range. My dirt bike weighs about 150 pounds. I weigh about 160 to 170 on any given day. A little over 300 pounds. So I don't know the math here, but 
whatever it takes to propel 300, a little over 300 pounds, 100 foot linearly, 30 to 40 foot in the sky to make the clear, that's the force that I was flying through the air with. And uh, I could tell you what went wrong. I, I played it over in my head. I knew as soon as I left the ground it wasn't going to be good, but it doesn't really matter what went wrong here. That's not the point of the story. When I come down on the ground, I didn't make the landing. And uh, again, I knew it was going to be bad. And that was the last thing I remember was the first bounce. So however much force that was, I got a few pieces of the puzzle here from bystanders. First bounce and then the bike, I go off and then the bike is violently slung uh, over. So it accelerates as it's going over and it hits me. Um, and so there I was. Now I want you to start about a mental clock ticking in your head here. Um, I'll tell you why in a minute, but, and I was out, um, completely out. I don't remember anything after that. What comes next is all supernatural power of God. Um, there is no explanation for it for the rest of the testimony here. There is no explanation in the natural. There is no explanation by the doctors. In fact, I'm quite sure they were quite confound the next day when I walked out of that hospital. But um, the testimony from those that were there so deeply involves the Holy Spirit, so deeply involves the work of God that I have to stop here for just a second and preach for just a second. Five verses. I promise I won't be long here and we'll get back to the story. But again, the Holy Spirit is so much a part of this story and I'll get to that. Um, I, I want to stop here. And you might be in the Acts 19.2 category. Um, so I want to stop here and I want to read that to you. Acts 19.1 through 6. It says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into then what were you baptized? So, he, so they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when... Paul had laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Maybe some of you here are saved. You know Jesus Christ, but you might be in this category. You don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. Let me introduce you briefly. Okay. Um, <laughs> first of all, I want to quickly, two separate baptisms. We see that here. So many people want to say it's the same thing. You're, you're, you're saved. It all happens. Okay, we see very plainly that it is a separate baptism in the Spirit. If you are taking notes and you're hung up on that, go to Acts 8, 9 through 17. It states it there again and all through the book of Acts that it's two separate baptisms. So the promise, Acts 1, 4 through 5, right? I want to read you this promise. And being assembled together with them, this is Jesus, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You have heard from Me, 
For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now they had all been walking and talking with Jesus. They were certainly saved again. And he promises, this is the promise. This promise, I want to just quickly, it's many, many people want to tell you that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's great. It was for the apostles that died with the apostles. He was talking to a crowd of 500 right here when he made this statement. Okay. So the power, Acts 1, 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I want to stop right there. That word power, the word is dunamis. The Greek word there is dunamis. In the Scripture, right here where he is talking about the power you will receive when the Holy Spirit comes on you, it is specifically talking about miraculous power or a miracle itself. The Strong's also puts it this way, abundant ability, workers of miracles. So the word power there signifies that they will be having abundant ability to work miracles. They're in it of itself when the Holy Spirit, when they are baptized in the Spirit. Now what kind of power then are they talking about here? You will be baptized with power. That's great. Now this is in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. I'm thinking they got it on the screen. I'm just going to read these to you. But these are the gifts of the Spirit. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. I want to focus on three of those. Uh, again, you can read it up there if you'd like. But I do want to focus on three. Now, <clears throat> out of these nine, supernatural faith. Faith is a gift of the Spirit. Well, I, you know, I'm saved by grace through faith. Does that mean... I, that's not what he's talking about. What is he talking about here? The gift of the Spirit. Faith. How does a son and a daughter and a, walk up on a dad or a wife walk up on her husband that is dead and have the faith to stand on the promise in that moment and start praying in that moment and not only pray but know with no doubt in their heart that he is going to live. That's supernatural faith. That's a gift of the Spirit. Supernatural healing. We all know that we can lay the hands on those and they will recover. This is talking about supernatural healing. Again, I want to use the same example. They spoke healing. Supernatural healing through the Holy Spirit. Miracles, that one, that one speaks for itself there. Uh, pretty, pretty blatantly obvious. So real quickly here, the Holy Spirit in Acts 2-4 is given. Now I want to again let you... No, there were 120 people in that upper room on the day of Pentecost. It was not just the 12 apostles. 120. Where did the other 380 go? Well, I don't know. They missed out. But 120 people in the upper room. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts, it's in Acts 2.4. And then, if you go down to Acts 2.43, it states that signs, miracles, and wonders followed. Signs, miracles. And if you read the rest of the, the book of Acts, when Stephen and Philip were all filled with the Spirit... Signs, wonders, and miracles. You read through the book of Acts. Every time they are baptized with the Spirit, signs, miracles, and wonders follow every single time. Now, Jesus is always the model for us. I always go to Jesus. You look at how, how did He do it? Was it for Him? It's for me. Acts 10, 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with who? The Holy Spirit. And what? Dunamis. Same word. Power who 
came upon him, or who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I also want to remind you, Jesus did no miracles. His ministry did not start until after he was baptized in the Jordan. After he was baptized in the Jordan, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And the Father says, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. So if it worked for Jesus, if it was for Jesus, what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to be more like Him. We are supposed to live the way He lived, do the things He did. How are we going to do the things He did? How... <laughs> He says to the disciples, He says to the apostles, go and do all these things that I have done and even greater. Well, how did He do it? We need to do it the same way He did it. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't give you this last verse before I get on with it here. And that is Acts 7.51. I'm just going to read this to you and leave it there and you can do with it what you want. But what if you don't accept the Holy Spirit? Here's what it says. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. If you don't know what uncircumcised in the heart and ears means, open your Bible and read it. You'll figure it out. On we go. Back to the wreck. Now, I told you to start a little clicker or a clock in your head. That took me about five minutes. I'm on the ground. The natural events of things, the way this goes at the racetrack, I hit the ground. Most of the times, 90% of the time, guys jump up and get their bikes and go on. So I hit the ground, and, and they all can see that I've wrecked. They don't know where I went. But, so they don't immediately, no one immediately moves and runs to me. A yellow flag comes out, and there's flaggers there, and he starts waving a yellow flag. That has to happen. So the racers behind me know that, hey, there's, there's a rider down. Slow down, don't jump. And then if the guy doesn't get up, there's a medical flag that goes up. So yellow flag waves for a little while, then the medic flag waves for a little while. Now I want to tell you where I landed and where my body was, was in it of itself a miracle. I left the ground over here, if this is the racetrack, and when, so I should have landed over there and there are racers coming behind me. Again, this is a very large jump, and they are coming extremely fast. They can't stop. They can't hit the brakes because I crash on the other side. The very danger, the most dangerous thing of racing is if you wreck on the backside of a jump, and there's, I don't know, I think there was about 10 more guys coming after me. If they don't see me and they're coming, I think there was one or two that was close behind me that, that this could have happened. If I land there, and that's where my body comes to rest, bad day. It was a bad day anyways. <laughs> Scratch that. But anyways, I started over there, but somehow when my body came to rest, I was off of the racetrack over here. Praise God, yes. And so, time is passing. Finally, the, the, the flag goes up, the medic flag goes up, and I'm still not up. At this point, I'm assuming a couple minutes have went by, and now they realize, uh-oh, he's not getting up. The announcer says, he's still not up. I don't think he meant to say that, but he did. And at that point, my son and my daughter, okay, my daughter-in-law, she's my daughter, okay? She's just as God-given as my son is, so, so you understand, my daughter-in-law. But my son and my daughter, 
they are the first ones. They jump the fence, and here they go to, the, to uh, come to where I'm at. Here's the testimony of my son as he walks up on me. He says, Dad, you were laying there. Your eyes were wide open, completely glassed over, yellow. There was no movement. By this time, I'm assuming about five to six minutes has passed. The EMTs get there about the same time that he does, or just before him. And they are saying things like, we can't find a pulse. He's not breathing. Now, one of the questions, one, does prayer work? Does the words that come out of your mouth matter? My son, very quickly, they begin to say things, and I'm not sure exactly what they said. He can't remember, but it was not good. And he sharply rebukes them and says, no, my dad's fine. (laughs) And then he says, Dad, they probably thought I was crazy. I went up and I got by your head. Now, again, by this time, I'm assuming about eight to ten minutes has passed. I haven't breathed. My heart hasn't beat. It's a long time. He comes up by my head. Why did I talk about the Holy Spirit? Here you go. He comes up by my head. He instantly starts praying in the Spirit. If you don't know what that means, go back to that list that says tongues. He started praying in tongues. He was praying in the Spirit. And he says, sorry. Dad, the Holy Spirit's got you. Dad, the Holy Spirit's got you. Dad, the Holy Spirit's got you. On the third time, I gurgled and tried to breathe. Eyes were still glassed over, but I did try to breathe. There was a sign of life. About this time, my wife gets there. Does prayer work? Anything that two or more agree on will be given to them. She comes up. She says, all I did, I immediately started praying in the Spirit. Now, they were praying in the Spirit. I promise you the Spirit agreed, okay? (laughs) Just take my word for it. She began to pray in the Spirit immediately when she gets on site. Life comes back into my eyes immediately. Okay? Life immediately. My eyes went unglassed. Now, I I looked this up if you... Because I was curious myself about the glassy and the eyes and the yellow. That is a post-mortem situation. But life came back into my eyes. And my daughter testifies to this. She said it was until she came and started praying that my body, that there was any sign of life other than the gurgling. And so, my dad at this point has walked up. He was there. My dad walks up and now he sees me and his testimony is that he said, I thought you were dead. But he walks up to my wife and and. and he looks at her and he, and he starts saying, well, you know, he's going to have this or he's going to have this. Now, I want to tell you this. My wife, my dad has been my wife's dad for longer than he wasn't because we've been married for 28 years. Um, she loves him, has a, loves him deeply. He loves her. She respects him. But he starts speaking this. Does the words that come out of your mouth matter? Here you go. She, he starts speaking this and she sharply rebukes him. Says, no, don't say that. Don't say a word of that. Now, 
Does it matter? Does the baptism of the Spirit matter? On August the 20th, for me, it was the difference between life and death. It mattered. So, my dad's testimony. Do friends matter? Who you hang out with on the weekends? Do they matter? My dad's testimony. Now, at this point, again, glass over the eyes was gone. I was gurgling for breath. They still would not move me. They still were uncertain about being able to move my body. My dad's testimony is at this point, he sees me. He goes back to get the truck. And what does he see? He sees 14 people hand in hand praying. I'm not going to give you their names. I'm going to give you, well, maybe just a little bit of their pedigree in the Lord Jesus Christ. First, there was one there that his baby girl was on her deathbed at the hospital. They had the paddles out of back to shock her. How do you get through that? How do you bring your baby girl back that they're put the fixing to put the paddles on? Filled with the Spirit and pray. Filled with the Spirit and praying. That man and his wife was there. Do you think they could pray? They can. How about the preacher's son? Or a preacher's, not this preacher's son, but you think he's been raised up in the Word? Knows it down in his heart? Can preach it like, well, he can preach, trust me. Yeah, he can pray. He was there. He and his wife. The next one, both of her sons are really miracles in their own, but one of them had severe issues at birth. What do they do? I've heard the testimony several times, but pray and talk to God full of the Spirit. Their sons are both amazing young men. How about the one that was addicted to the things of this world? You want someone that can pray, that knows, that, that has no issue standing on the Word of God, has no problem believing every word in this book. The one that has been freed from an addiction of this world, he can pray, I assure you. <laughs> He's done it many times for me. He and his wife were there. How about the evangelist? How about a guy that can go and stand on a college campus where all they want to do is drag you out by your feet and tie you up? He can pray. How does he do that, by the way? The Holy Spirit. How does he go to those college campuses and speak to those kids, speak the gospel in so much hate? He and his wife were there. And of course... The one that had a very similar accident that was in the hospital for quite some time. You want to know someone that can pray? That, that doesn't, it doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural. It doesn't matter that I'm laying there lifeless. It doesn't matter that I haven't moved in a long time that can pray. Well, one that's been through it and lived he can pray. He and his wife were there. The beautiful thing, they begin to pray, all of them. The beautiful thing about this, you know it's real because all of the kids, I don't remember how many it was, my dad testifies to this, they were praying. 
Now he sees them praying, and then there's a huddle of kids, their kids praying with them or next to them. Does friends matter? Does it matter? Well, Pastor, he preached a beautiful series on it, so I'm, I'm going to leave that alone because I can't preach it better than him. But if you didn't hear that, get that CD. On August the 20th, it meant the, life, the difference between life and death. Now they started praying. What do I do? I don't remember this at all. I gave a thumbs up. They put me on the stretcher, take me to the ambulance. The first time I came, became conscious was when they were putting me in the ambulance. The one thing I see is my wife. I did not see her standing there hysterical. I did not see her standing there crying. I did not see her going nuts, berserk, because her husband was mostly dead. No, she was standing there holding my hand. I saw the love in her eyes. That's what I woke up to as they put me in the ambulance. Now, the ambulance ride, here I go. I'm on the way to the ambulance. They have these things called pulse ox machines. I don't know if you know what that is, but a pulse ox machine is the little thing they put on the end of your finger. What it's doing via a laser is measuring the oxygen content, the oxygen saturation in your blood, okay? So first machine goes on my finger, must be broke, reading no oxygen content in my blood. Well, that's okay. They got two, three of them in the ambulance. They get the next one, they put it on my finger. Well, bummer, that one must be broke too. No oxygen content in the blood. Well, surely the third one's not broke. They put the third one on my finger. Well, guess what it said? No oxygen in my blood. No pulse. Or the pulse was shaky. They would give me no medication on the way because they didn't know what was going on with me. So they get me to the hospital. I get admitted. One more question here. Pastor, does it matter? Does it matter? I want to read you a few verses here. Proverbs 27, 23. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. I don't know. I guess, you know, those folks on the TV, I'm not sure how they do this, how they know the state of their flock or attend to their herds. I'm not sure how that would work out. Acts 20, 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit, there's that Holy Spirit again, has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which He purchased with His own Son. Jeremiah 3.15. God says this to His people. I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Hebrews 3, 13, 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. You don't like that, do you? I love it. I am glad that I am submissive to that man. For they will watch out for our souls. Wow. Wow. Hebrews 13, 7. I'm going to read this. From the Amplified, I like it here. Hebrews 13, 7, Remember your leaders, for it was they who brought you the word of God, and consider the result of their conduct, the outcome of their godly lives, and imitate their faith. Imitate their faith. Their conviction that God exists and the creator and is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider of eternal salvation through Christ, and imitate their reliance on God with absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom and God and goodness. Wait a minute, I'm supposed to imitate? I'm supposed to imitate this guy. <laughs> how about that guy that has that big, that big entourage? You're going to get close enough to even know how he lives? 
You can't even go see him. I don't know how you're going to do that. I suppose they could have wheeled a TV into my room there at the hospital and had some pre-recorded message on it from the TV preacher and said, hey, you're going to be healed in Jesus' name. Have a good night. I suppose they could have done that. I don't know what it would have been worth. Does it matter? The second time I became conscious. You want to guess? I was in the, in the uh, hospital. You want to guess who was standing over me? Pastor Mark and Miss Carmen were there praying for me. I think, I think they have like a, a jet car aimed at hospitals or something. I don't know how they do I think they almost outran the hospital. I mean, the, the ambulance. Does it, does it matter? Oh, wow, does it matter? On August the 20th, it made the difference between life and death. Amen. Number one trauma... Surgeon's number one trauma place in the state of Texas, JPS, John Peter Smith Hospital. I went there. One of those friends in my list happens to be an Arlington cop. He made sure I got to the right place. So six doctors come in. I've been there. Six doctors come in. Six, six, six doctors, not one. Six doctors come in. This was not a visit to tell my wife what was wrong. This was the, uh, the war room team. They were trying to assess what was wrong, how they were going to proceed. Six doctors come in. This is what they say. Broken back, broken sternum, broken ribs. Right lung is completely collapsed. Pneumothorax in both lungs. Severe myocardial contusion. The right shoulder was severely dislocated. Now, if you're like me and you don't know what pneumothorax and myocardial contusions are, let me tell you. Pneumothorax is holes in the lungs, but they've collapsed. Okay? Myocardial contusion is a bruise on the heart. I studied both of these here recently, and it's, uh, it's not a good thing. But my wife, I don't know how many of you know this, but she, she works for a company that designs and develops 3D CAT scan machines. And uh, she trains the people that go out and train the doctors to use these machines. What I'm getting at is she can read a, she can read a CT and or an X-ray. She said she, they put the X-ray of the lung up on the screen, and well... Uh, pardon my, my medical terminology here, but it looked like my right lung got a head-on accident with a Mack truck, okay? She said there was nothing left of it. It was completely collapsed, completely crushed, nothing left. The right shoulder, that x-ray goes up, and, and the only way to explain this is, you know, Mr. Potato Head toy? You have all remember the Mr. Potato Head toy? It looked like they pulled the arm out of Mr. Potato Head and put it down where his leg goes. She said that's how bad the shoulder was. Um, two weeks later... Another CT confirmed that this bone that attaches to the collarbone goes down here to this shoulder was so ripped and torn out of place. All this cartilage right here was ripped and completely torn away from, from the collarbone. This bone was sticking out. Um, it was kind of crazy. But anyways, um, this is not a good, not a good uh, situation here. The lung, you can see now why that, uh, that machine couldn't find any oxygen, right? Right lung was completely collapsed, hole in the other one. The heart... Com severe myocardial contusion the heart that's why there was no pulse the heart had been damaged so doctors come in the third time doesn't matter what you say I want to give you real quick real quick a couple of examples in the Bible in Luke the first chapter of Luke Zechariah the father of John the Baptist the Gabriel the angels talking to him he says you know you're, you're gonna have a son you're gonna call him John what does Zechariah do? He, he says, no, I'm not. I don't, I don't think I believe that. What does Gabriel do? Gabriel makes him mute until the baby's born. Why? Because he spoke out against what the Word of God said. He spoke out against it. Now, Jesus, here we go. Jesus is always the key. Jesus calls 
the spade the spade here on this one. Peter, he's, he's telling Peter, the, the disciples, the apostles, about his death and what is coming. And Peter pipes up and says, No, no, Lord, this will not happen to you. This is not going to happen. We're going to keep it from happening. What does Jesus do? He sharply rebukes him and says, Get behind me, thee, Satan. What was he saying? Was Peter Satan? No, he was saying the words that were coming out of his mouth were against the Word of God, were against what God's plan and purpose was. So he rebuked Satan. He called the spade the spade. That's what it is. Anytime you step out of alignment with the Word of God, what's happening there? Yeah, you need to rebuke Satan. I love this part of the story. Again, I was totally unconscious. My son had already rebuked it. My wife had already rebuked the, the word spoken. Completely unconscious. I do not remember this. My wife's testimony here. After they get done with all this, I just gave you the highlights uh, of the, uh, what went wrong there. There was a litany of other things they came out with. Um, I raise up, completely unconscious. I have none of that. I told them I have none of that because my God's already healed it. <laughs> now you can imagine the doctor's look on their face when this guy that has not even gained consciousness comes up and says, I have none of those things. They probably thought, well, this guy's definitely lost it. Now, they have to move me to another room. This is late into the morning hours. By now, they have to move me to another room, uh, and no one can be there. There's no visitors. Nobody there. Everybody has to go home. My wife has to go home. Everybody has to go home. Here I am, the third time I become conscious. Now it's my turn. Now what do I believe? What's in my heart? What's down in here? Is this book, do I believe it? Does it matter what's in this whole thing? Do I know what's in it? I was batting a thousand. I had the right friends. I had the right wife, the right kids. I was doing good. I had the right pastor. But now again, it is my turn to believe. Now, I, I say that God sent me an angel that night because I couldn't stay awake. Again, this was only the third time I had come conscious. But they put a homeless man in the room. I'm not in my own room. They sent a homeless man there, and uh, there he is. And he starts yelling and screaming all kinds of obscenities. Well, I woke up. Couldn't sleep through that. So he is there. What do I do? At this point, I start praising God. I start standing on the promises. There I am. What do you do when you wake up in a hospital? It's just you. It's all alone. Nobody there by yourself. You can't move. I could not move any muscle in my body. I couldn't do anything. I started praising God. I remembered that Peter walked on water when he stayed focused on Jesus. I remembered that my God is the one that spoke the heavens into creation. I remembered that my God raised up. He came out of the grave on the third day. I remembered that He is God Almighty. I started praising God. There's a song we sing over and over here at Grace Church. I praise God. The chorus says, I praise God for what He's done. I begin singing, I praise God for what He's done. Well, wait a minute. You're still laying in the hospital bed. Yeah, but I know what the promise is. The promise is, is that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, I have been healed. I took that to the bank. And I started praising God. And I started thanking Jesus. Oh, I thank Jesus. I don't know how long it was. It seemed like all night, all morning to me. But... It might have only been for 30, 40 minutes. I don't know, but I laid there and I praised God and I thanked Him for healing me. I thanked Him for being my Savior. Now, the doctor comes in. I have had six. I had six in a matter of six hours. Six CTs, six CAT scans, and a numerous other um, uh, x-rays. 
The doctor comes in about 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning. I felt none of them. I was awake for none of these things. I, I don't remember any of those things. They fought me around when the six doctors came in. I don't remember any of it. They came in to take one last CT, one last set of x-rays. Was I really broken? Or was all the, the other six CTs, all these other things, was it a lie? Was I really broken? God let me know I was really broken. They came in to take this six set of CTs. And I woke up. I come conscious again. They woke me up and they went to pick me up to slide this, you know, the, the x-ray thing under my back. I felt a pain like I didn't know existed. I felt like a bomb, an A-bomb, with shards of glass attached to it and razor blades all around it went off in my body. Every part of my body, every inch of my skin, I thought it blew off. My back felt like it exploded in the bed. I thought my chest came apart. For about the three seconds it took for them to get that board under me, I felt the most excruciating pain. This is where I think everything changed. This is where God showed me, yes, you are extremely damaged. I don't think until this point that my body could have sustained life without itself. I believe that every breath I took from the wreck until that point, the Holy Spirit was standing there breathing into my mouth. I don't believe that my heart could beat on its own. I believe the Holy Spirit was standing there pressing my heart, pumping the blood through my body. Here is, I believe, where it all changed. I had been standing on the promise all night long. They come in to take, I, I believe from the time they lifted me up until they set me back down and took that next set of CT is when God stitched everything back together. I believe that's when the sternum got stitched back together. The back was no longer broke. The ribs were no longer broke. My lung was replaced with a brand new one. My heart started beating again. I believe that's when it all happened right there because they took that last set of C, that last CT, they took that last set of x-rays and about an hour later, the doctor comes back and tells tells me, Mr. Wiestinger, do you think you can walk? Absolutely. If you can get up and walk, you can go home. <laughs> okay. All right. Now we're talking. So my wife gets there. She got a bad report in the middle of all this. The doctors call her in the midst of all of this because she's not had to go home and told her he's not doing well. He can't breathe. He's struggling. It's not a good night. She comes back to the hospital. She stays at the hospital in the parking garage because they won't let her in. She gets out. They finally let her in, and she comes in. I said, honey, I need to stand up and walk. She looks at me like I've lost my mind. She goes, honey, you can't get up and walk. They won't let you. I was like, no, I'm telling you. The doctor come and told me I can walk. By the way, they thought I was paralyzed. They put this neck brace on me that was the size of a VW Beetle. It was, I couldn't feel the rest of the pain in my back, my body, but my head really hurt because of this. Anyways, I said, honey, I got to take this neck brace up. I got to get up and walk. She's like, you can't do that. She goes, let me go ask the doctor. She goes and asks the doctor. The doctor comes in and says, Nurse comes in and says, no, the doctor's orders, you, you can't move at all. You, you, we, you're paralyzed. I said, take this neck brace off of me. She said, honey, I can't take that neck brace off of you. You're paralyzed. I was like, no, the doctor said, I'm fine. Take this neck brace off of me. Well, anyways, a few more minutes goes by, and, and they're talking to the doctor. Jeremy Weathers comes in. <laughs> God has used him more than once in my life to, to, to warn me to, to be the voice of reason in my head. He walks in, and I said, Jeremy... I need to stand up. I need to stand up out of this bed. He said, okay. <laughs> okay. He gets me. Now I'm in my, my little robe, my gown, because that's all I had left on, you know, and, and they couldn't tie it. So he's trying to keep this thing on me and he's trying to stand me up. And I get stood up and I get rolled over to the edge of the bed. Six hours ago, I had a broke back. I had broke ribs. I had a heart that wasn't working, lungs that were collapsed, paralyzed. I rolled over to the edge of the bed. 
And I stood up. Stood up out of that bed. Now, every party we have, Jeremy and I, we play cornhole. And, and I can't dance. I have, I have lead hips. But we're fairly good at this game. And so, uh, y'all, y'all ready to laugh? Here's my dance. When we're winning, you know, I just, I get a little bit of that. That's my dance. That's it. That's all I got, okay? But that's my dance. And I say this, I tell you this, because I stand up in that bed. Jeremy's got a hold of me. I have a hold of him. And he looks at me and he says, can you dance? <laughs> I said, yeah. Six hours ago, I was paralyzed. And I danced for him. I let go of him, he let go of me, and I danced right there in that hospital bed. Now I want to let you know this. I praise God for that hospital. I I am very thankful for those people and those amazing doctors and those nurses that saw me. I couldn't have been in better hands, but they didn't touch me. They didn't put a probe in me. They didn't even so much as reset my shoulder. Never touched me. Never laid a hand on me. They put some oxygen on me, and that was about it. About 12 hours after I walked in there, I stood up, and I walked out of that hospital. On August the 21st, it mattered. It mattered. On August the 21st, it mattered. How did I meet all of those people that stayed there and prayed for me? I went to church. I'm here. How, does, how do you form a relationship so deep with people that they will come? You come. You be here. I believe this whole Bible. The words you speak, yeah, they mattered. My pastor, he mattered. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, it certainly mattered. Does it matter? Does it matter? I am standing here alive and well on my own two feet. It mattered to me. Amen. Amen. I don't have time for the helmet story. We ran out of time, uh, but there is a little bit there. If you want to hear it, you come and see me. I'll tell you all about it. Pastor, I'm going to give it back to you.